I'm Gab, he's Jules, and he's Mark Ogden, and it's Blue Skies over West London. Blue are still with Augie here, what can I say? Uh, we have a packed <laughs> show today, guys, because we'll be talking about a lot of the latest transfer stuff, Mane and Sebastian Aller and so on, but I think there's one place to start, which is this thing which I think I find really extraordinary in terms of English football. Not that extraordinary elsewhere, we've seen similar things happen, mm-hmm. but Richard Arnold, who is the chief executive of Manchester United, um, the man who took over from, from Ed Woodward, he went to the pub with a bunch of fans who'd come. They were in, I guess, I'm assuming he lives in some village in Cheshire somewhere, and as most of these people do. And they were going to, apparently they were going to protest outside his house. That's he got right. wind of it. And so he decides, let me preempt this. Let me meet them at the pub and let me have a pint with them or from the looks of it, several pints. Now, one of these gentlemen um, filmed him, and it's all over social media. Uh, Augie, this is a big story. I want to start with something obvious. If you, Richard Arnold had rung you up and said, oh, a bunch of blokes are coming outside my house for a protest, should I go meet them at the pub and preempt them? This is a good idea, what Richard Arnold did, I think. Do you agree? You can see both sides of this. I think... It's, it's a good idea to converse with the fans and tell the fans what is happening, what you're thinking. Maybe the environment wasn't the best because it's a pub, there's alcohol involved, you don't know who you're meeting. I mean, we've seen that certain groups of fans of United fans have got a little bit um, violent at the time. You know, we've seen houses being attacked, we've seen trouble at games, we've seen the Liverpool game was abandoned last season by fans. So I think it had to be maybe a bit more on his guard. You know, you know fair play for the guys actually going to front it up to them. You know, yeah, I, I, I think in terms of the story and putting his view of things across, I mean... But why, why, were they, why were they planning to go out and protest outside of his house? He's been there three minutes. Mm. What are they not happy with? The well, he's been there longer market. than that. He's at the club okay. and they see him as okay. a glazer guy. I'm assuming boss. this is why, right? But what? To say, to say what? Like, well, oh, we well, haven't signed anyone yet? Well, this is part of the problem because the reaction I've seen has been quite mixed. And yes, they went to protest, but the guy came out and spoke to them and immediately people involved or people close to those involved or fans are saying, oh, well, don't believe a word he says. So if you don't believe a word he says, then why are you even sitting down with him? If you think immediately that whatever he says is a lie or it's glazer, it's glazer speak, then don't sit down with him. But if he's sitting down with you, give the guy the credit for what he said and don't immediately put it to the, 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 the kind of the perspective that he's speaking, glazer speak. But he can't win. Until Man United signs some players and wins some trophies, he cannot win. Yeah. No, it's obvious results will, will turn this around. Um, in terms of what he actually said, and we'll, we'll get to the fact that whether he knew or didn't know that he was being filmed, it appears that he did not know he was being filmed. Personally, if I were Richard Arnold, and he's as clever as people say, I think he would have assumed that he's there with five or six guys. Should have been. I think he probably knew that he was being filmed or recorded. And the reason he's, I say this is... quite naive, yeah. I, naive, or naive. maybe he knew, because yeah. frankly, there's nothing that he said which surprised me, which I wouldn't expect him to say on the record at a press conference. Maybe without the swearing, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, is there anything he said that surprised you, no, he Jules? He said, like, we burned one billion pounds. Why are you so, like, just going to say, listen, we're working hard, we've got high right. ambitions. But, but, no, 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 no. I'm just trying to get into this point, though. Did he say anything that he would regret saying? 
This is the point that I'm driving at. I just don't think it's a good look to say that we burned all that money last season with all the swearing. Last season was a car crash or was a nightmare or whatever. I don't think he had. He could have stayed positive. He could have looked forward saying, listen, this is what we're doing. This is a new era. We've got a new manager. All of that. And instead, he felt very negative what he was saying, most of it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the stuff he said about last season was a nightmare. This is the guy that I think pretty early on last season, or certainly when Solskjaer was given a contract, suggested he was doing a phenomenal job. And he wasn't. So... <laughs> but he's a commercial yeah. dude. Like yeah, he's not a football guy. You can't shift your position like that. But I think in terms of the video, I, I think that he would have hoped it wasn't filmed, but he would be naive to think it wasn't filmed. Right. So, so he probably knew there was a good chance he was being filmed. Yeah, but what he should have done is said, look, guys, I'm seeing you now. Put your phones on the table and turn them over. You know, that okay, fine. But what I'm saying is, did he say anything that was off message from United's point, point of view? Not a good look I, I think it wasn't great to kind of talk about... The specifics about how much money they've got this year. He said that the money's there for the manager to spend. And I think there's some suggestion, we haven't, I haven't heard the video clip, but there's some suggestion linked to the clip that he did give a figure £200 million, which I think would be surprised if he said that. If he did, that's naive because all of a sudden you're telling your, your, kind of your rivals, your competitors, how much to spend, how much they need to raise in terms of sales. So that isn't ideal. That's kind of giving away your, your hand a little bit. He also spoke about the, the deal for De Jong or the attempted deal for De Jong so again that's not great while the deal is still kind of being but what did he say about it he said we're doing everything we can to get it over the line I don't understand you know here in England like, oh no we're not talking about speculation it's all speculation I, I don't. I wish people would come out and say we are trying to sign yeah, Frankie de Jong. We're only going to sign him at a certain price. I've got no. We're working hard at it. I got no problem with it. I, I mean, think what, you know, what is know, the problem with it? They do it from a position of weakness, and everything they do at the moment, or everything they have done recently, has been has been a failure. So I think it's all talk and no action. That is the problem. Stop talking, get it done. And now, primarily, I think what he did meeting the fans and speak to him was a good thing because. I don't think Ed Woodward would have done it, and I think Ed was happy to speak to other people in, in certain ways, but I, I don't think it's a bad thing to speak to the fans, right. but it's just the environment you speak to them and the fans you speak to, and it's the trust, because I don't think it's great that fans right. generally criticise players or some players or reps or whatever for leaking information about what's going on at the club because they're not happy. Then the fans I, automatically leak a video because they're not happy, so it's, it's hypocritical. I take your point. We're going to get into this. Just to sum up where we are, I'm pretty sure he knew he was being filmed or recorded, sure. and there is nothing he said that you wouldn't expect him to say. There's nothing that he said that was off message. Now we can it's still relevant that he spoke because I don't think he's spoken in public before, but everything he said, minus the f bombs, he would have been comfortable saying at a press conference. But what's the message then? You said off message. What's the message? Then? What so did he want think, to say? I think the messaging is he wanted to get across that the club. Has been bad. Have been poor. Made poor decisions before, when his mate Ed was in charge, yeah. and it's not maybe not just not Ed's fault. He wanted to make the point. I love the line when he said that the Glazers are hard as nails. I think what he means by that is not literally because I wouldn't stake much money on Joel Glazer in a street fight. I think what he means is these guys are stubborn and they're going to do things their way. And this is the reality of of the Glazers and you just have to put up with it. You're not going to turn the Glazers into something that they're not. They don't necessarily want to sell the club. I think that's the point he was making, which again is something that is pretty much on message. I don't think you need to talk about the Glazers. No, but if they ask you, you about to, it. I, but I, don't, I think you can easily answer without without saying, that, oh, they're, they're hard as nails. I don't think you have to. And I'm, again, I'm not sure it's a good look on him and on the Glazers either. I, I think what, what, it, what it showed me was it was a real window on the, the frustrations 
at the top level of the club how, how it's not been working you know and they can't actually comprehend why it's not been working they, like I said they burnt through a billion pounds right. they don't get it they, they don't understand why it's not been working they, the Glazers think you can just throw money at it not their money the club's money they don't understand that it's not just about spending money it's about being smart and astute like Liverpool have been you know Liverpool have got a similar kind of structure to Man United American owners director of football etc they're smart they're strategic well, sorry 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 if I jump in here I don't want to be here I'll get criticised on social media be like, oh you interrupted Augie like United have had a director of football, or they don't even have a director of football. They have a football director, yeah. which is John Murta. The guy's been in the job just over a year. So most of the Glazer era, they did not have a Michael Edwards. They did not have a director of football. It was the manager working with Ed Woodward. I think that's pretty relevant, right? Well, let, no, and the reason it. it's relevant is that if I'm Louis van Gaal or if I'm Jose Mourinho... I want to win now. I am judged now. I'm going to make decisions That's in the present, not it's medium bit, term. It's a bit of a myth, that, because, I mean, I remember when Van Gaal went and we had the, the usual kind of biennial, you know, um, cultural reboot speech from, from Ed. They have had a, they, have, they called it a football committee or football scouting committee that's been there for five or six years. All very mysterious. Whenever you'd ask who's on it, you'd never get an answer. But it was people like the Chief Scout at the time with Jim Lawler, Marcel Bout, a couple of people on the the, the, the coaching staff, you know, be Mick Field and Solskjaer. So there was a kind of there was a kind of committee feel to the transfer situation because there were players that they, they wanted to sign that didn't sign. It wasn't just a case of manager wants wouldn't say no or vice versa. There was this kind of mysterious committee. Now they've just got a face to that committee in John Murta, who's the football director. So, so with a face, you have accountability. Absolutely. Which Michael Edwards has had, the 10 years he was there, he had accountability. If he goes and signs a turd, oh, Michael, you're done screwed up, right? Yeah. but Whereas at United, you didn't have that because you've got 10 people in a room and they all agree to sign the turd. And so it's like, you know, I am Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. No, you, had no, Ed, I, you know what I mean? You had Ed taking the glory for deals getting done, like Ronaldo, and, and then not being there when the deals didn't turn out very well. And, and, that, and <laughs> the criticism was going to the manager or the coach or this right. invisible scouting stuff. So that's what, that was the problem. But yeah, there is accountability now. Now, the one thing you said that surprised me a little bit is that I understand, completely understand why he said it. He's made it a point that he said he's going to have zero involvement mm -hmm. with signings. He said it's going to be... Eric Ten Hag, and it's going to be John Murta. Mm -hmm. Is this important because of the perception? Is it's kind of like dumping on Woodward a little bit that Woodward was too involved in screwing things up and blah blah blah. Is, is that what he's driving at? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think he accepts that the chief exec can't get involved, especially if he's a chief exec with no football knowledge. I think the difference between Richard Arnold and Ed Woodward is that I mean they're totally different characters, but Richard Arnold is a guy that will delegate, it will hire better people to he's do the job. He's a lot bigger than Edward well, yeah. <laughs> but I, he accepts he's not a football man, he's not. He, he's a commercial guy, and in fairness to Richard Arnold, he's a very successful commercial guy, but he's not a football guy, he's actually a rugby guy. You know, this is a guy that's got a rugby shirt in his office, so he's a rugby guy. But he's also a, a smart business guy who knows that to get, make things work, you have to have accountability and people right. in the right position. So he's not going to get involved with, with signing players, he might get involved with the Don't sign players though, where, where is that coming from? It, where, well, it, it might get involved in the finer details at the end. You get it, they, but in practice, they know they they put out the budgets. I mean, we can yeah, we can yeah, say yeah. CEOs don't sign players. Yeah. It's no, fine. Yeah. But in the in real life, Marina Granovskaya, for example, 
does the deals for you need to have an ability to deal make you need to have that ability. every club has someone yeah, like I'm, that. I'm sure Richard Arnold has yeah. oversight but he won't be getting involved by saying no he's not very good because his stats no, aren't no, great exactly. that, that, that's I'm what not, he's I'm not, not involved that. No, no, but, but he would say to John Murtaugh or someone will tell we said to Richard Arnold this is how much money we can yeah. spend this yeah. is how much money we have for the wages which then John Murtaugh will get and then John Murtaugh will with lawyers at the club, we try to sign the players that Eric Ten Hag wants on the budget that he was given by Richard Arnold and other people at the club in the finances department. Yeah, Richard Arnold is appointed, appointed people to get the jobs done. There's been a grey area in the past that if that's been the case, you know, I can't say for definite that Ed Woodward signed players because he liked their stats, but you know, he did get involved probably when he shouldn't have done. I mean, and he talked about it was just Ed or the manager. Well, who can forget the 804 right-backs speech that they justified the Wan-Bissaka signing, that they had this strange team of mysterious team that identified 804 right-backs and he was the best one available. Now, that isn't the manager and the chief executives doing that. That is a team of people, analysts and scouts, finding the right player. Ed got involved too much. Richard Arnold wants to take a step back and let people do the jobs. And if they don't do the jobs, then move them on. I I think that makes sense, given his background, and it makes sense for him personally to distance himself from this because we know that... United probably aren't going to screw up commercially at this stage. So the only thing he can get wrong on the football side is if, you know, he got the Murta set. Well, he didn't even appoint Murta, right? Mm. But can you tell us a little bit about John Murta? Because it's one of those names that, that comes out. We've talked a lot about Eric Ten Hag. Mm. Um, can you give us a bit? You, yeah. you follow him for, he's been at the club since David Moyes. Yeah, David Moyes brought John in, well, I was going to say midway through his only season. So about December, January 2013 14. And it was there what, as a kind what, of a. What was he there? What did he do before? Moyes, well, before that, he was at Everton at Fulham at the Premier League, and you know, working in elite development, young players, just structurally, basically. And Moyes brought him in to improve the structure at United because when Moyes got there, he found it was like a you know, bit of a black hole in terms of what was there and what wasn't there. He wanted Murtaugh to come in and arrange the kind of structure so it worked like a football club, a modern football club rather than a club that had been run by one guy for 27 years. Obviously, David Moyes went. Ed Woodward positioned John in a place where he was, again left to do the job that Moyes had brought him into under Van Gaal, then Mourinho. And he's been basically there six or seven years. He's, he's done a lot of work at the academy, restructured the academy, brought in coaches, moved coaches on, and now he's been elevated to this role as the football director with all responsibility for football operations, hiring managers, recruiting players, making sure the club works at all football levels. But he reports into Richard Arnold, not the Glazers. And I think that is, that's a key thing because I think a lot of, certainly the, the candidates that were being spoken about for the director of football job when it was supposedly an active contest, people like Monchi, would not have had a situation where they would report to the CEO, they want to report to the owners, because the owners hold the purse strings. The CEO just answers to the owners and maybe dilutes the message that the, the, the director of football wants them to hear. One of the things that a lot of fans care about, and one of the things that he addressed, was this idea of leaks from the club. Now, he said two of the players who were leaking information have, le- have now left the club. It's not difficult to figure out who he's thought about because a bunch of players have left the club. But um, I don't want to speculate, but a lot of people have speculated that they're referring to Jesse Lingard and Paul Pogba. Uh-huh. I think we all know for a fact those weren't the only people who were talking. And we also know for a fact, given that we've covered football for a long time, Jules, is that a lot of times it's people close to play- players will speak to relatives, they'll speak to their agent, they'll speak to their PR guy, and then this guy might talk. Or a lot of times what happens is a player 
something will happen between two players and then a teammate of theirs witnesses and says like oh guess how funny you know Aaron was Juan Bissaka fell down the toilet this morning his phone fell in the toilet ha 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 you know and then that gets out yeah and this is I mean, do we think this is it was just no players leaking things on United there, there's, there's leaks everywhere in every club uh, for similar reasons right. I can't talk for Lingard I can talk for Pogba and Pogba didn't leak anything and certainly you see the treatment that he got in English media they think the idea behind leaking stuff is that you get a good treatment then by the media because you give them stories or right. you feed them with stories so they usually don't criticize you with Paul Pogba I think who was by far the most critical, <laughs> exactly. criticized player at Manchester United I can tell you he's not here but Richard Arnold needs to understand that there will still be leaks even after all well, those departures even if he thinks that the leakers have left this is the naivety of, exactly. of, of fans and social media they, they, uh, why did he say that there was no reason for him sorry Augie yeah. there was no reason for him to go and, and I don't know if he I named presumably them, asked them about but it even, I, I know but he should have known better yeah, again I, I think it's important to stress this because you know you go on social media and, and social media is not you know the kind of the, the thing you should kind of focus your attention on when you're talking about this but to criticise players for leaking stuff, they don't. People on social media don't know how it works. Fans don't know how it works. The, these players that are being accused of leaking may have come from. And I'm not, I'm not just identifying Lingard and Pogba. I'm talking generally footballers specifically. It'll be their relatives, their representatives, and sometimes they'll be leaking things to journalists that the players don't even know about, because people who know something because somebody at the club has told them can't wait to tell somebody else because it shows they've got this inside knowledge so the player that is attached to this brother or the cousin or region won't yeah. even know this is happening well, but it'd be doing it but because it's attached to them they'll be saying oh it's it's lingard it's pogba when and, and that is there's an unfairness about that because i i i'm pretty sure that 99.9 percent .9 of the time the players have no idea what's going on but there are staff at the club there are Relatives, there are all sorts of people around a football club that find things out that tell people like me and you and Jules. And, and it's not that the players don't pick, pick up a phone and say, Oh, guess what I've heard, or I'll send a direct message. I mean, I, I was what sorry, there's one at the end of last season. I was I, Luke Shaw was accused of being my leak because he follows me on Twitter. I mean, that was just ridiculous. I've, I've not spoken to Luke Shaw face to face, I don't know for how long, because Mick Zones aren't on the go anymore. So I don't even know Luke Shaw. I know who he plays for, but I don't, but because he was following him on Twitter, he was the leak. This is the nonsense <laughs> of it all. It really is the nonsense of it all. And I think players' reputation has been tarnished by this this misrepresentation on social media by people who don't know how it works. Seriously, it's ridiculous. Um, and we don't even know if it's Luke Shaw follows you or Luke Shaw's <laughs> media ma social media well, exactly. manager. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But um, I also want to add to that, though, that a lot of clubs, and United perhaps more than most, also pay... PR people and consultants to talk to the media on their behalf, uh -huh. external people. Yeah. I think we all know of at least two people who get paid specifically to do this. And when you see these stories in the media, which don't have direct quotes and say it is understood, mm. I, mean, I don't want to give away secrets here. It's either Manchester United's press officer going and telling people, all right, here's a briefing, use this word in England, briefing, mm. which means like, oh, mm. this is what's happening, but you can't say we're saying it, mm. right? And Journalists go along with it. And again, in some countries, like in the U.S., I think that would be frowned upon. But here, it's how things operate. Mm. And then you have external people who we know are paid by the club mm. because they admit it, and it's not—it's not a thing. They're external PR consultants, and they will also plant stories. This is—I think people need to understand this. And, and they're also external people employed by the players. So that's, yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and they a, have their own PR. And that, people. That's another element to it. And, but they're, they're, Wait, there's no kind of control on those because they're not employed by the club, so they're kind of rogue elements because he, they've got their own agenda. Here's one thing that gets me. Um, 
I genuinely don't think, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and I know how the news cycle works. I don't know how significant these leaks are. So we're used to certain things. We're used to, you know, Solskjaer gets sacked, and then you get all this information about all the bad things that Solskjaer was doing and all the things he did wrong. Ragnick gets sacked and blah, 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 right? But how damaging are leaks really to a football club? Some, some stories are, are more damaging than but others. But very few, I, I think. I, don't know. Like, I just don't know this obsession that we have. But no, arguments, fights, you know, tactical disagreements, that kind of stuff, which is always a great story that people yeah. like reading or listening to. Yeah, but so what? Like, like, but no, but so Alex Ferguson everywhere. throws a shoe at David Beckham, right? Okay, it was a huge story, yeah. right? You were there. For, you were covering United at the I time. I wasn't right? when the boot flew. I wish I was, but yeah. But, <laughs> but, but it's to know what happens in your club. No, no, that's fine. But I'm saying so, is how damaging is it to the club's next game? How damaging is it? I think there are situations where obviously it can be. But I think in general, it's yeah. not that damaging. I mean, the damage is not, sorry, uh, the damage is not that someone is writing it. The damage is actually what's happening for real life in that dressing room. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of problems. And sometimes, right, right. So, but, but, don't what know, but, but what you're saying is the leak itself doesn't damage the club. Well, it, it does. rarely it does. It tells exactly what happens behind closed doors. It can do. If, if, if it affects, exactly. if, if, it's like, if, if it's something that a player's done and or somebody's criticised a, a teammate and it, it creates a bad atmosphere. But I think, I think fans they, they don't see beyond the badge. They they they're so loyal and blind to the club that they don't realise that. I mean, for, for me, last season when the leaks were coming out to me and to others from the dressing room. A lot of it was because the players were so frustrated at how badly the club was being run and how badly they were being coached. Zander Solskjaer. Yeah, but and, and Ranić, the whole season and prior to that, this is players that are unhappy yeah. about how. So sure, if, if a fan takes a step back and thinks actually they want it to be better and they're complaining because it's not, then how is that damaging the club? So the fans have got to see the bigger picture because if a player is complaining to his brother or his agent or to yeah, us that it's not point. that it's not working well, it's because they want to be better. That the Man United players that go with international teams in here, the Liverpool players, the City players, Pep's great, Klopp's great, they get frustrated. They want to be like that. They want to be in a squad that is winning things and the coach to, coach to be better players, like all the Liverpool players and the City players have been. How many Man United players have been coached to be better players in the last 10 years? There's less leaks in a happy camp. Yeah. Far less than oh, in no a question. happy camp. No question. I, I was just questioning more how, how damaging these things actually are in real life. But I want to ask about something else because he... He said there's money to spend, and obviously you touched upon this earlier, 200 million euros, 120 million euros. We've yeah. seen different figures out there. Um, but you know, we know that United need a, set, need a center forward. Mm. There's some suggestion, and I, th I think you have a, sort of a case study yeah. in Darwin Nunez, yeah. when maybe they might have looked at him and then... So I was told about a month ago that United had... Had been told that Darwin Nunes would cost 120 million euros, which is about 100 million pounds, and that an agent was involved and he would represent the player and Benfica. So, but an agent, we can name him, right? It's not a secret. George Mendes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. So, <laughs> it's pretty relevant that it is George yeah. Mendes, by the way. Well, the it's, it's not relevant in the big scheme because the, the point I was being told is that that would have, United would have had to pay 100 million pounds for Darwin Nunes. Now, he's got a player with great potential. Had a great season last season, and he's got a Liverpool. Liverpool have played up to £85 million if, if all the clauses are met. So they, they've got them on a cheaper deal. Now, the problem United have got is that they, they can't take a punt on Darwin Nunes because they've, they've had so many punts over the last five, six years that they can't keep getting yeah, it wrong. It has Li to work, yeah. Liverpool are able to take a gamble on Nunes having a soft landing, taking time to develop because they've got most Salah, they've got 
Diogo Jota, they've got Luis Diaz, they've still got Roberto Firmino. So if Darwin Nunes doesn't hit it off in his first six months, then he's got a safety net around him. So it's not really a gamble for Liverpool because he'll pay off. With United, they dropped Darwin Nunes in at £100 million. Straight away, club record signing. The new messiah, the guy that's going to end the, the wait for the title, he's going to do this. He's got, he's got Marcus Rashford looking for form. He's got Sancho looking for form. He's got, he's got Ronaldo, you know, wanting to play but not play. So it's a much more difficult gamble for United to take. Uh, they, if they signed Nunes at 100 million pounds, that would have been half of the budget gone on a player that might not have been suited to right. the situation right now. As you know, I'm a contrarian. I get paid to be contrarian. Absolutely. So I can all? make the point though. I take on board that logic. Mm. It seems to me like somebody's kind of making excuses a little bit about Darwin Nunez. First of all, saying that 120 million euros, yeah, okay, but then you negotiate and you get the fee down, which is what Liverpool did, where their upfront money is is a lot less. I think it's closer to 65 yeah. million, right? Mm. So, and then you mentioned, okay, look at Jaden Sancho last year, mm. right? If you want similar situation, you know, roughly the same age as Darwin yeah. Nunez, right? Cost an absolute fortune. Ed Woodward, by the way, negotiated that price down from what they were asking for. And for a long but nobody time else initially. wanted him. And nobody else wanted him. They still paid a lot of money for him. But I, I wouldn't say nobody else wanted him. Nobody else was willing to pay crazy money yeah. for him, right? Jaden Sancho comes to Manchester United, okay, a team that finished second last mm. uh, uh, the, the year before, mm-hmm. right? And we can say that he's got pressure, but, you know, he comes into a team with, with Rashford and mm. Mason Greenwood was there at the time, mm. and, like... It, why is why would it have been so damaging? Is this the reason maybe, Sancho had a bad the season? Sancho, maybe the Sancho deal made United now thinking mm, United you know been, what? United been scarred by the mistakes. Is risky, like Sancho was risky. They've, they've been scarred by the mistakes. What exactly. makes Sancho so risky when he's so young? I, well, I, 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 I generally understand that first season was so underwhelming. Yeah, Alexis Sanchez, Angel Di Maria, all these all these mistakes add up, and United now got to a position where the kind of like I said, they're scarred by the mistakes. They can't afford any more. And I'm not, I don't think Darwin Nunes would be a mistake. I think he's a good age, he's a good profile. But because they've made so many mistakes, they can't, again... But wasn't Jadon Sancho a good age and a good profile too? He was, but Nunes... And he might come good yeah, next year? I mean, what, but, yeah, yeah. but I think with Nunes, you'd be, you'd be dropping him into a club and a team that is in a state of flux right now. The forward line's in a state of flux. You've got the Ronaldo problem. Mm. It's a much. It would have been a much different signing for United to make than Liverpool signing Nunes. Liverpool, it's a great scenario because, like I say, it's got six months, twelve months to, to bed right. in because of players. I, I, I just goal. sense this all oh, this whinging and this. This is why we can't sign big players. Blah blah blah. Because Liverpool have it easier because they're already good. I'm, not, I, I'm maybe, sorry. I don't. I don't, no, I don't maybe, buy this. Nobody, I just don't buy this. I like. Nobody you start- said to me that he's better at Liverpool. That, that's my interpretation of what I was told. Nobody said. Right. Oh, but. I'm saying that United have had so many bad mistakes in the market that they, they have to. Th- maybe they're overthinking it now. Right. They're, they're overthinking, being overcautious because of the mistakes. I, I, I don't think signing Jaden Sancho because this is, the, this is the, the, the comparison is overthinking it. I'm not sure Darwin Nunez would have been the right player in that context if he was going to cost you 120 million mm-hmm. for United right now. But I, I think you have to divorce those two things. What came before came before. It was different people making decisions, and I think you have to move and he's on. It's a from different that. personality than. Then Jalen Sancho yeah, and different players have different so personalities. And he's running so. But United have made some terrible mistakes in the players they've not bought in recent years. They had, Jude, they had Jude Bellingham and Erling Haaland basically at the club, at Carrington, in the room basically. And they, and they missed out on both. Right. I will say this about Erling Haaland. He's been around the block. I think he's been in many, many rooms well, as, exactly, a young, as a young kid. You don't sign anyone above £40 million then in that case if you're scared of making a exactly. mistake or the guy doesn't work out it's going to be even more difficult for them to get the right players in mm. alright I want to move it to two other United related stories one Frankie de Jong we've covered this so many times we think Barcelona are in a position where they need to sell because of their financial situation despite 
the fact that he's going to try and go and sell the the BLM, which is not Black Lives Matter in this case, but Barcelona licensing and merchandising and a chunk of the TV deal or whatever. They're still Barcelona are holding up out for a higher fee. Uh, he said, like, he hasn't slept in days. This is another part I don't quite get. <laughs> he says he's not involved in transfers, right? I think he was talking about John Mertz for this. Oh, John Mertz has yeah, slept think, in days. I think it's hot as well. Yeah. It's been hot. Yeah. 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 It's hard to sleep when he's so hot. Whereas Richard Arnold has no problem sleeping at night. He's <laughs> snug as a buck in a rug. Yeah. Um, this to me, though, I, and I think this is important from United's perspective. I don't know if they're going to increase their bid because he's essential to them or whatever. Uh, to me, running a club well, which is presumably what United want to do now and what they've tried to do all along, is we think Frankie de Jong is worth this much mm. to us. And this is our price. And you, Barcelona, are under more pressure to sell than we are to sign because there are other midfielders in the world other than Frankie de Jong. Who, let's face it, right? Mm. Ten Hag, work with him. Hey, it's great. He seems to sign all these players that he already knows. Wonderful. But he's coming off a poor season. And if you, United, don't feel he's worth $85 million, why should you go to $85 million just because you're Manchester United? But I think there's a situation here. That Especially right. when you said they've been scarred and they can't yeah. afford to get anything wrong. But this is where they're overthinking it, because Barca are in a weak position. But United are in a weak position as well, because they're not in the Champions League. They're not, they're not the attractive proposition they used to be. So how does paying Barcelona more money make it easier for them to sign? I well, mean, what, what does that have to do with I think, being, well, being in the Champions League? Well, first of all, they, <laughs> De Jong doesn't seem very convinced about them. Yeah, that's the thing. It's convincing first. But also, so let's, let's say Frankie De Jong costs United £70 million in the end. That's still half what Declan Rice would cost. Now, and Declan Rice is a player they've looked at. Declan Rice... He's a good player. He's had a, he had a great season for West Ham last year. He had a good Euros. But you, are you going to pay £140 million for a Europa League player? Or are you going to pay £70 million for a Champions League player that's played at the highest level for Barcelona, at a club like Barcelona? Who's not had a great season, but... So Barcelona, what, who were knocked out in the group stage of yes, the Champions of course League? Of but at least he's played in the Champions League. Now, he's not, he's not dominated this team. He's played with Ajax in a great time there. What I'm saying is, with, with Declan Rice, you're paying... Twice right. as much for a player that's not playing at the highest level had the pressure of playing for a club like If you like don't United rate Barcelona. him at 85 million, you need, you, so I'm sorry, but you need to have all these teams, if they, they've got armies of nerds, they've got their yeah. scouts, but they go and they put a number on a player. This is it's problem. as simple as that. You, this is United's problem they have to get away from. The, they, they have this strange transfer policy of paying over the odds for players like Lukaku or Sancho. Sancho but then haggling that and then find details like and Peri, when they started saying why was Sancho over, why did they pay over the odds for Sancho because, you know, but, because there wasn't a great lot of competition there for him but, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if Declan Rice is worth 140 million well he's not though is he well but if that's the price I mean I, well nobody's going to pay that what do they pay in, pay in the end for Jaden Sancho that's 70 million it was right you think, you think, you think 70 million for Jaden Sancho at age 21 him being English him being having already lived in Manchester you, you think that's paying way over the odds? I think that's paying more than they need to pay. But the point I'm making is that United ha pay over the odds for certain players and haggle to the finest detail and miss out on players. I'll give you an example. Ivan Perisic, 2017. Mourinho was desperate to get Perisic and it fell down because of a, there was basically a £4 million gap in United, what United wanted to pay and what Inter wanted. Now, there's also some suggestion at the time that Perisic was too old. Nonsense. He's had five great years. He's got to Tottenham. This is the thing. So United haggle over the fine details on certain players and then throw money at players like Ronaldo or Lukaku. I think United have got to get some sense about their transfer strategy. They don't, they don't, they don't sign players for less than £40 million right. and, and, and smart deals. All right, final point, just I know, you, I know you love your Dutch managers. Louis van Gaal, the gift who keeps on giving. There's a story out there and it's been reported, been confirmed by mm. Marcel van der Kroon, who's one yeah. of the most authoritative Dutch journalists out there. So Jerry Timber 
Um, he's a 20-year-old Dutch center back, Dutch in the sphere of the Dutch national team. And the report is that Louis van Gaal told him, oh, no, don't go to Manchester United. It might harm your chances of getting in my World Cup squad. So this is wonderful trolling. Mm. Do we buy this? But I think, especially in the big, big countries, a lot of the players called their national team head coach before saying, mm. you know, what do you think about my situation Absolutely. at club level? I mean, it'd be and smart to do so. Van Hal's worked at United, he knows to. his people. You know, yeah. Some say you need to move because if you don't play more, you're not going to come to the right. World Cup or you're not going to be in Madrid, blah, blah, blah. So... I would think that this happened, it's really, really leaks, well, certainly not that way, but it's really as brutal as this. Like, hey, don't go there, otherwise you're not going to make the World Cup. So I don't know if exactly what he said. Well, I mean, look, it, with the Dutch guy, he's, he's got Virgil van Dijk and Matthijs de Ligt to choose from, so, you know. Make- and he also has na 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 so, but if I'm not started him in the last time, and he has De Fry as yeah. well, he's yeah, got yeah, Nathan Ake, he's got but, a lot of but, bodies. But there. it tells you how much yeah, Van Hal must rate Timber if he's saying, "Don't go to Man United because you've got uh, Victor Lindelof and, <laughs> and Phil Jones and Eric Bailly in front of you." So, if he doesn't think that Timber can play in that back four, then what does that say about what Van Hal thinks about Timber? On Van Hal and Man United, there's been some real rewriting of history here. By the time it ended at United, the players had, had completely enough of him. We, I don't want to give too much of it, but we had a, a lunch with one of the players, one of the senior players at the time, and he basically went through the list of what Van Gaal had No. <laughs> Van Gaal had lost everybody. The players just couldn't do with his over-prescriptive training and his, his control freakery. So to suggest that he was harshly done by United, he wasn't. The football was rubbish. The players didn't like him. But if he's telling Timber that don't go to Man United because he won't play, look at who United have got. No, I don't think he means you won't play for United. It just means it's not the right club. Yeah, you won't play for United. It's not going to help you develop. It's not going to go to the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, it was more like that. It's funny, you know, and you can see the argument, you know, stay at Ajax, it's a more settled club. Although, that said, they've sold, like, they're selling, what, like, the whole team now. So, uh, who knows? Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. All right, enough, Augie. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, guys. Jules, it's 47 days. I counted them until the start of Paris Saint-Germain's title defense. Presumably, there's some kind of trophée du champion or other nonsense before that. Indeed. There's no manager. No. Or rather, there is a manager who's there who you told us is going to be sacked by Mauricio Pochettino. He's not there anymore. But he's on holiday. Well, yeah. Has he been sacked? He's been sacked. He's been told that he was not going to be the manager next season. Have they told the rest of the world? They're just sending the check. They're just writing the check, sending the check. But they also have to write a check to Nice to get Galtier. And that's 
complicated. Let's put it that way. He's got two years left on his contract in Nice. So <laughs> you would have to pay between okay, five sorry, and ten sorry. million. Complicated is trying to get Pep Guardiola out of Bayern and moving him to Manchester City. With all due respect to Christophe Galtier, that's not even they knew in March that, that they were going to get rid of Pochettino. Because they chased Zidane for too long, far too long. But the best thing is, they, they, they will end up paying between 5 and 10 million to Nice. For, for Galtier. Ma- for Galtier, for manager that Nice don't want anymore. They don't want to work with Galtier anymore. <laughs> I mean, what a club. This is, this is just special. Reports in Spain said that Vinicius was pressured by PSG not to renew his contract with Real Madrid. Gab, does that sound plausible to you? I, I love this trolling. Yeah. I love this. Look, Vinicius had two years left. I mean, he hasn't actually signed, but he said he will sign in July and he's agreed verbally. So, but... When you have two years left, it's probably not Paris Saint-Germain, especially because, let's face it, at that point, you know, you had lame Doc Leonardo, right? Yeah. You had, I mean, who, was Nasser getting on the phone to Vinicius? I don't think so, right? No. But it's normal. Agents and other clubs will do that. When you got two years left, they want you to run your contract down and get you at a better price. It's entirely exactly. normal. That's true. If it happened. But come on, man. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jules, Vitinha Ooh. is on his way from Porto for 40 million euros. Yeah. Another option in central midfield? That's right. We'll probably have 11 central midfielders now. However, he's one of the most talented, which gets me very excited. Oh, he's really exciting at Wolves. He, well, come on. He was young. That is so harsh. That is really harsh. He's young. Have you seen him with Porto that season? Yes. Different player, a bit older. Uh, and I think he's fantastic. He, him and Variety are going are gonna to run that midfield. I don't know who the third man will be, but or if, the, if there is a third man, well, we, don't, we don't know the manager, so we don't know the system either. <laughs> exactly, but I'm yeah. very happy with Vitinha. Zinedine Zidane turns 50. He was 50 on Sunday. And oh, on the 23rd, when is the 23rd? Oh, no, he's, on Wednesday, he's 23? Jules and Maths, and you don't know Zidane's birthday. Know the date anyway, he's, 20, he's 50 very soon, or has just turned 50. And he says that he still has the desire to coach. Gab, what is he waiting for then? He's waiting for Godot. Sorry, I'm trying to make a French reference here. Um, you always do that one. I, I know, I know, because it's so good. Because the joke is, for those who are uneducated, Godot never actually shows up, and so That's you keep right. waiting. Um, I, I, I do wonder about this, because, oh, he's got this great desire. And, yeah, you had the Real Madrid job. You quit um, mm-hmm. twice. Yep. So you could have had the Paris Saint-Germain job. Yeah. Nah, it doesn't quite do it for you. Yeah. I'm assuming you're waiting for Didier Deschamps to leave. Yeah. Maybe, but... This, how does it look? Deschamps won a World Cup. Zidane, who, you know, of course, Deschamps was his personal water carrier, right? Indeed. And then you take over from him. Can you do better? I I don't know. I don't know what he wants. I just hope that he's happy deep down. The Eddie and Kedja saga is over. He signed a deal through 2027. Five-year deal. Yeah. Jules, my question, question is whether this means Arsenal now just need to sign one center forward instead of two. Exactly, Gab. That's the right question to ask, and this is the right answer to, to give. So they're going to sign Gabriel Jesus, which means they've signed zero center forwards. And Well, if you, in, if, if, if in center forward you mean an Ozyman or a Darwin Nunez or a... No, he can Marvel be a Sergio Chicago. Aguero type, which yeah. this guy Neither definitely is not. Are. Yeah, but this is the uh, this is the uh, the direction that they've taken. El Kecha is one, and then Gabriel Jesus is the other one, and I think that would be it. Okay, which I, I would say, my opinion, I don't think... That, that is the is answer what, I don't think is good. We'll see if it works. Arsenal also reportedly close to announce the signing of Fabio Vieira from Porto for 40 million euros. Gab, what do you make of it? Uh, 
I don't get this. I don't get this in the con- like. What do Arsenal need more attacking midfielders? This, this is what Fabio Vieira is, left, right? A left footer. Yeah, but you know, very versatile, left footer, right he's footer. A very versatile player. He can play anywhere. Yeah, okay, but in any, he can play wide. He can play attacking midfield, or he can play on the other wing. It's and, still an eight. Okay, I eight. Well, so he's going to be yeah. the, the he can play in the Granite Xhaka position. I think so. All right. Well, then maybe that's the plan. I, to me, it seems that they would have other priorities starting with the center forward rather than, you know, adding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's I, a fair point. I, I, I just don't okay, get this. But you know what's fun about this? Reports in Portugal say that um, this applies to the Fabio Vieira deal and the Vitinha mm. deal. Uncle George Mendes, of course, of course, worked out a deal where he gets, in addition, he gets a percentage commission, but then he also gets half of any sale over 30 million, which means that between these two, yeah. he got 12 and a half million euros. Good well work done, if you can Uncle get it, George, Uncle George. Well done. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sadio Mane could have a medical as early as Tuesday this week after Bayern and Liverpool agreed a reported 40 million euro deal. Jules, the more I think about this deal, uh, I can't no. help but think this is really good for Liverpool and not so smart from Bayern. I don't know. Time will tell. It's always the same. He could have three, four amazing years at Bayern and win the Champions League and be really good. Depends how much, to, how much you're going to pay him and for no, how long. I know, I know. But he's still an amazing player who's been on the top of his game for the last six years and there's no reason why he would stop. He was Liverpool's best player in 2022. You're so right. So there's a good year. chance Bayern might win the Bundesliga. No, no. <laughs> but they will certainly win the Bundesliga. But let's see in the Champions really? League. It's good money for Liverpool. Of course it is because he had only one year left on his contract. But I think this could hurt them too. Let's say Nunez needs a bit of time. Let's say Luis Diaz is not maybe as fiery as he was after arriving in January. I don't know. Mane was their best player. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. better than Salah, better than anybody else in, in the last six months of the season. So that could hurt them as well. Let, let's, see, let's see what happens for him and for the club without him. And sticking with Liverpool Gap, they've picked up 18-year-old Calvin Ramsey from Aberdeen. You always wanted a backup right back for Trent Alexander-Arnold. Here you have, you've got him. I, I thought, listen, um, I don't know very little about this man. I will hold it's my hand up. I looked at his, uh, at his analytics. I spoke to somebody who knows his way around Aberdeen. Not Derek Ray, although I should probably ask Derek Ray. Um, this is what you need. This is a guy so I can't believe who, this did happen. Yeah. I, from his analytics, it looks like he's more defensive than, than Trent, but then it might have to do with the style of play at, at Aberdeen. But yeah, you need this. You need this in the same way. Tsimikas came up big when he filled in for, for Robertson. Yeah. I thought he did really, really well. And you need somebody to fill in for Trent. If he turns out to be really good, maybe Trent moves to midfield. Maybe, who knows, one day down the road, he's 18 years old. I know, but he's not much younger than Trent. This is the only He's thing. five years younger. 
Yeah, but, but train, train, train Meister all his career. He might still the next 15 years at Liverpool. Where is this kid going to play? Do you see what I mean? This is not... like I assume Calvin Ramsey wants to well, play in the Premier League. That's a good for problem a to have if that's the case. No, it's good for Liverpool. But for him, it looks like you go into the position where you've got the best player in the world already. So You're 18 years old. You can do a couple of years as a backup. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and then what? And then you move on. Because train, train might stay there forever and he might be the best right back in the world forever. So... This is, this is, what? This is a good deal for everybody involved. Well, yeah, but to a certain point, because he's never going to play 38 games a season, Calvin Ramsey. He's never going to do that. He doesn't need to. All right. At some point, right. he obviously like, to play every game. I obviously like this deal more than no, you. No, no, I love the deal. I think it's a great <laughs> deal. But for him, if he wants to play and be the starter at Liverpool, good luck. That's what I mean. Oh, yeah, no, no. This so, is obviously a high bar. Borussia Dortmund have made a big 33 million euros plus bonuses offer for IX's Sebastian Haller. Mm. Jules, considering they're already signed at Yemi, I guess it takes two people to fill Erling Haaland's oversized shoes. Yeah, it does, especially the two, the two really good profiles to complement each other. This is good. I don't know what that means for my boy Daniel Malen, who, you know, I got very excited. <laughs> you were not so much and you were right. But, but let's see. I think... I think he's, it's, a, it's a big gamble on Haller, so, still. It's a lot of, he's, he's turned, a lot of you know, money. He turns 28 on Wednesday. And there's it another is, Afghan to come, you know, of course, uh, very soon too. So, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a tricky one, this one, I have to say. Speaking of Haaland, uh, as in Spain, said that he has 150 million euros release closing his contract with Manchester City. And that Real Madrid are ready to take him in two years and to trigger that close. What do you make of this? Okay, so this 150 million euro release clause, this is not something that's been verified by us. It's nope. something that... I do think it's something that if you're at the Holland camp, yeah. you'd, you'd certainly want to try to put it For in. Sure. It's, and you know what? Given that, you know, the, the Holland and, and now Rafaela and, and then Mino before that, given that they're so good at negotiating, given that they've got people over a barrel, given that Pep might say, meh, I might not be here in two years' time, yeah. or I might be on my way out. Why wouldn't we do this? Yeah. Right. If, if you're Manchester City, in two years' time, one of two things is going to happen, right? Either Holland is happy and he's making a ton of money and whatever else, and but he wants to stay, and, and he, he might want to stay, or you know, you go and you get a ton of money for him. 150 million euros will be plus what you paid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be a great deal. So. I kind of think this is this yeah. is plausible. I'm not saying this yeah, clause yeah. I exists, agree with you. I agree but with I think you. it's it's certainly plausible. And I'll tell you what, City are never going to be Erling Holland dependent. I'll come out and say it right now, yeah, right? Yeah. They will, this is not Messi and Barcelona. They're never going to be Holland. They don't want to be seen as Holland dependent. Yeah. So 150 million in two years' time, and he, and he wants to leave. Sure. Yeah. Bye bye, Erling. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Raheem Sterling seems to be on the Gabriel Jesus plan. He has one year left on his deal with City, and he could be on his way back to London with Chelsea linked in a deal worth around fifty-five million. Jules, between this and the Dembele story, can we take it as a hint that Tuchel wants to play with wingers next season? Something you or I didn't imagine. What have I told you? I've told you for weeks now. He wants players to be the op the, the opponent in one-on-one -on -one and having those kind of wide players certainly on one side to go on one-on-one -on -one, which he doesn't have in his team that's why the Sterling links that's why the Dembele links gap he wants at least one player to be okay. this kind of guy so if you actually look at numbers and stats which I know he has access to I think you'll find that um, Hakim Ziyech last year even though people this might surprise some people but he was seventh in the, in, the, in the Premier League in terms of successful dribbles per game, per 90 minutes, obviously, and also in successful dribble percentage. So he kind of has that guy. He just never plays him. 
I'm more interested in the fact is how are you going to have how are you going to have Sterling and Dembele? No, I think or, it's one of the two. Okay, no, or the two one of the two. Fine. But so he's going to play. They, he's going to play three four two one, and then when they win the ball, this dude's going to go out wide and beat players. What? What? I don't. I mean, he might, he might not play a three. A three I don't understand. He can play a back four and play a four-three-three formation. Back four for might make sense. Is that what you don't really? need to sign two center backs? Exactly. Whatever. So I think I think it'd be interesting. I think they need that kind of profile. They need that kind of of player anyway. Yeah. Good luck with Conte and Jorginho lasting all season in a two. Kovacic, Kovacic, Gilmore, sure, why not? The Romelu Lukaku saga is almost over as we record this. Gab reports that Chelsea are ready to let him return to Inter for one year uh, for a 10 million euro loan fee. Yeah, Inter offering a 5 million euro loan fee. All right, I want to say one thing very, very clearly, which I think often gets overlooked in this as people go and demolish Lukaku, but people forget this. Lukaku is taking a very big pay cut. He's taking, he's leaving 30% uh, on the table. On top of that, he's getting tax benefits and so on. But in the end, net of all that, in terms of what actually goes into the Romelu Lukaku bank account, yeah. right? It's going to be 30% less than what it is now. I'd love it if more players had the courage and the responsibility to go and take pay cuts when they do not have to. I think this reflects very well on Lukaku. Yeah. That said, I don't know. I think at some point, if I'm Todd Bowley, first thing I do is I find out what the hell happened here. And I go and they find yeah, out, Tuchel, did you want Lukaku? Because he cost us a ton of money. Yeah. Now we gave Inter 110 million euros. They're giving 10 million of that back to us. They made 100 million off us and he's playing for a different team. And you know what? He's going to be back next season <laughs> if he does badly. Yeah. What the? I mean, seriously. This somebody is, needs to take responsibility for this. Yeah, this and it can't, of, it's like, you can't just say, oh, it's Lukaku's fault. He's lazy. one of the worst. I mean, come on. One of the worst. Kylian Mbappe had some tough words for Ooh, the French FA president. Yes. Noel Legret, Jules, what do you make of this? Tension, a lot of tension over image rights, a lot of tensions of Mbappe feeling that after the penalty that he missed in the Euros against Switzerland in a penalty shootout, that Man France lost that game, that he was subject to you know, racial abuse, racist abuse on, on social media. Uh, and that at some point he thought, maybe I'm not going to play for a little bit with the national team. And well, Legret, was there some suggestion that Legret wasn't taking it as seriously? So Legret repeated that, but Legret said, oh yeah, I talked him to you know, keeping playing. And, and Kylian was like, no, no, I told you I was racially abused, which he clearly didn't take on board. So there's been tensions between them two. I don't think this is... That goes well for Legret, for him, who wants another another go, another stay as the uh, French FA. I think he'd be gone as, as early as the next elections. And it's official now, Gab. Argentina, Paraguay, Chile and Uruguay will all be jointly for the 2030 World Cup. Gab, do you think we will never see a single country hosting the World Cup? Now, nah, with 48 teams, I think it's basically going to be impossible unless it's yeah. China or something. So, no, good <laughs> for them. I, I think you need an alternative in 2030. More Manchester City, Alexander Zinchenko. Chenko reportedly wants to spend more time playing in midfield or maybe just playing at all. So he's being linked yeah. with a move away. Arsenal, West Ham and Everton have all been mentioned, Jules. Yeah, he really find a club, Gab. He's such a, he's a good player to start with. He's got a good attitude. He's got a pep schooling as well. So no problem. I think if they don't want too much, too much money, he will go. And sticking with City, Juan Malillo has left the club to, to join Xavi's old team in Qatar, Al-Sahad, to be the, the head coach now, the main manager. And top of the list to replace him, apparently, is Enzo Maresca. Yes, Enzo Maresca, of course, he'd been in charge of City's under-23s. Um, he's a really, really bright guy. Palma, he's a guy I really like. Yeah, but of course, he managed Parma last season. They had very high expectations, mm-hmm. and he was frankly terrible. They were close to relegation. That was in City B. But you know what? As an assistant to Pep, yeah, Pep likes him, wants him, wants to be part of the team. Why not? 
Atletico Madrid are linked with a move for Axel Witzel. Jules, he's 33. Somehow this doesn't quite excite me. No, me neither. It was Marseille or Atletico Madrid. Marseille were really keen to get his experience to replace Bubaka Kamara. Uh, he, he wanted to go to Atletico more than to, to, to Marseille. Maybe I can understand. Wait, he's uh, not really a marine guy. He doesn't own a boat. Like what? I don't what, know. What? I don't know why. Because I thought he would fit well in that Marseille dressing room. They're also in the Champions League. You know, okay, it's not Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid's in the Champions League too. But, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I'm not, but at least he could have said, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And now, I mean, I don't know, for what we saw when he came back from injury with Dortmund last season, he, I don't know, he could not run much. He, he certainly could not turn, which he was not very good at before either. I, even if you're Atletico, I question the deal, I have to say. I Do don't you need another why. defensive midfielder? Yeah, even on a free. I'm not, I'm not really sure where this is all coming from, but I, I'm like you. I'm really surprised. Angel Di Maria is very close to agreeing a one-year deal with Juventus. Does this one excite you? <laughs> It excites me more because it's a one-year yeah. deal. Now, that said, I can also see El Fidel going to Turin, basically half-assing it for six months so yeah. he's fit for the World Cup, and then maybe doing something after that. I, I generally don't know. I like the fact that it's a one-year deal so that then he's off the books. Uh, he plays on the right-hand side, yeah, where Chiesa plays. So yeah, but remember, remember move one on the left. Remember, he played as, as number ten for Manchester United in some games, yeah, right? Sure, sure. Remember, when people say Di Maria was like Robin. I mean, come on. Rodrigo says Neymar told him he's going to quit the national team soon, presumably after the World Cup in Qatar, and that the Real Madrid winger is the perfect long-term replacement for him. I, 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 first of all, I think Rodrigo's really sweet I know, for oversharing but, here, but... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think Vinicius is by far the most ready heir to, 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 to Neymar, and, and we knew that Neymar, I think... Was kind of looking at the World Cup, thinking this could be my last. I mean, there's another four, and it would be He's 34. Be 30, in the four. 36. He, wasn't he born in 1992? No, he was. No, he turned 30 in February, so he would be 34 in 2026. But but even at, maybe at 34, he can still. I don't know. He might still be able to play. But I think the pressure and everything might be too much. If if Rodrigo wants to be, his, you know, he's the next one to come. Okay, good for you, but. It's a lot to deal with in terms of pressure to be the one guy. And I think it would be probably better for Brazil going forward to not have that one guy and exactly. to maybe share the loads between all those great talent that they have coming through and, and there. As expected, Barcelona have voted to sell the licensing merchandising and media rights in exchange for short-term cash. Gab, how is it going to work now then? So I have a whole column coming out uh, You love this. that story. You follow it very very closely. I do because I, I think it's really fascinating. Um, and I think there's the, the, there's two questions here, right? One is, is this a good deal for Barcelona? And obviously, for it to happen, um, you have to make certain assumptions. So they're, they're willing to, he says, they've got four interested parties uh, lined up to sell up to 25% of the television rights. He said, every 10% of television rights is worth about 200 million, right? So if you, you could get 500 million in to sell your 25% of media rights. That's great. Um, if the value of media rights doesn't increase or even goes down. Mm. Uh, you need really smart people to be able to decide that because obviously if the value of the media rights increase, skyrockets and you're giving 25% away to somebody else, it's not such a good deal and you're starting in the hole and you're simply kicking the can down the road. Similar story with uh, the licensing and merchandising in some way even more so because you know 
the last year pre-pandemic, Barcelona made 63 million euros um, from their licensing and merchandising. If you get a good partner, maybe you can make 100 million of it. But then you're giving 50 million of that away. Uh, they do have clauses in place where they can buy it back. Yeah. But again, we don't know the terms of the buyback. The other aspect of this is, is it necessary? And the reality is this is a club that, you know, they have that no choice, right? Maybe they have an excess of, of, of something like 300 odd million, um, 350 million, something like that of short term debt that comes due in the next 12 months. Wow. Otherwise, they become insolvent. Yeah. So unless you want to start selling Pedri and Ansufati, maybe you do need to do this. Yeah. The one thing I'm so uncomfortable with in this and, and I appreciate it, you get the good and the bad when you have a structure like Barcelona. The guy making these decisions ultimately is Joan Laporta and He's not, it's not, he doesn't have skin in the game. He's not an investor. It's not his money. He doesn't own the club. Mm. He's going to reap the short-term benefit. But if it goes south and there's serious damage onto the club, he's not going to be around for it yeah. down the road. So I just find this to be a huge gamble. FIFA technical director Arsene Wenger is taking a long, hard look at allowing kick-ins instead of throw-ins. This is an idea that's been around for a long time. Mm. Jules, you tend to be more conservative than I am when it comes to messing with the laws of the game. I just don't understand why why you want to replace throw-ins. What's the problem with throw-ins? Because you can kick the ball further than why? you create. I don't want more crosses. I don't want more headers. I don't want like... You don't want more exciting more... set pieces? What's the exciting set pieces? Do set pieces on the throw-in. It's a set piece. No, but you can't throw the ball as far. Like, but it doesn't matter. Why if do you I have want... a throw-in at but the halfway But there's a reason line. why throw-ins are there. So you don't always just <laughs> hoof it long to someone in the box hoping for the best. <laughs> You know, there's, there's, there's a reason why you can also build with throw-ins. I mean, this is not broken. Why would you try to fix it? I don't understand. There's surely far more important things to fix in our game than the throw-ins, no? I don't know, dude. It's driving me mad. Like, why, I don't know why like, you want to touch the throw-ins. It's crazy. After Gravenberg, Masrari and Sadio Mane, Bayern are supposedly pursuing Leipzig, Konrad Lehmer, Cab. Julian Nagelsmann is determined to troll his old club. So Upamecano, Sabitzer, <laughs> Leimer now. I mean, uh, I okay, I think Leimer is a really, really good player. Yeah. I, and I don't want to go and beat this drama because ultimately, like, German football fans seem to be happy because their stadiums are always full. But this is a serious issue when you go and you just pick apart everybody I mean, else. There's, there's no other That's league crazy. in the world where this happens <laughs> to this degree. Um, <laughs> this is, I mean, what, is Nkunku next? <laughs> no, seriously, why not? Why not pick up Nkunku? Yeah, yeah. You know, it no. feels like the only reason that they don't get Nkunku is that, oh, they have Musiala and Muller. But you know what? They don't work out. Let's get Nkunku. Come yeah, on, Muller's man. getting old, you know, so. Center back Nayef Aguerd is on his way to West Ham. Jules, he was really important at Rennes last really year. Really one of the best center backs in Ligue 1 last season. No doubt. I really applaud this deal from West Ham because I think he's going to be great. He's, he's tall and he's quick and he's left-footed as well, which... I think, as we said often on the show, it's a, it's a rare breed, a, a left foot to centre back, but he's a really good kid. And I think this one, for me, he just cannot go wrong for West Ham. So really well done. And I bet it's he's a, looking forward to teaming up with avenging Angelo Bonna, right? Of course. Or Dawson, or Zuma, or I don't know who else. But yeah, I think really good piece of business for West but Ham. But especially West Ham Angelo. Yeah. Especially Angelo. Angelo of the morning. Alexander Kolorov, meanwhile, has announced his retirement. Gab, what would you remember most? The free kicks? I will remember the free kicks. There is something about yeah. left-footed Serbian left-backs who then become centre-backs as they get older, hitting free kicks that is, frankly, unique. And they're badass, too. They're, they're they tough are. guys. Obviously, I'm referring to Sini Zamihailovic before Alexander Kolorov. 
I think he did. I think he's done well. I mean, you know, anyway. I, people have always said, "Ooh, he lacks pace. He lacks pace." But you know what? He was a smart player when he was younger. He's still a smart guy now. Um, I'm glad he's leaving now. You know, obviously he had a tough time last year, but the year before that, I don't want to see a slow decline from no, from yeah. Kolarov. The rich get richer. Tell me about Paris Saint-Germain picking up Lika Martins while Lucy Bronze signs her Barcelona. Yeah, that's true. Lika Martins out of contract in Barcelona. Barcelona not happy at all that she didn't renew and she decided to come to, to Paris, I think, for PSG, who lost uh, Jordan Ritema, by the way, who went to Oral Reign in the US. This is a great deal. I mean, she's one of the best players in the world. Uh, and, and I think it's great from PSG. It's great from Barcelona to pick up Lucy Bronze as well. Uh, she's no Lika Martins. She's, not, she? I mean, she's, a, she's a right back to start with compared to a right winger or a left winger. But, but in the sense that if you're Lucy Bronze and Barca is coming for you, even if they're not anymore, the European champions, it's still great for the team that you're going to play and how much fun you're going to get and all of that. So those two deals, I think, make a lot of sense for the, for the ones making them. It's great. It's great for two, it, it, two teams is and two players. more concentrated at the super clubs in the women's game or is that just a weird impression I get? No, 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 you're right. I think you're right. And maybe because there, there is less talent out there that you can go and recruit, uh, maybe it's one of the reasons. But, but yeah, certainly it feels a bit more like that. Atalanta have taken up their option to buy Mary Demiral from Juventus. He's 24 and it's costing around 20 million euros. That's a good deal, Gab, right? I think so. I think he had a poor season last year. Yeah. He was obviously at Atalanta on loan. But, you know, players don't become bad all of a sudden. Um, you know, he was good at Sassuolo. I think he was good at Juve. He obviously was terrible at yeah, uh, the Euros when I got all excited about... Sema, Sema, yeah, go ahead. You can make fun of me. I said Demi Rale and Soyuncu me could be better as a partnership than Monucci and Chiellini. Obviously, we saw how that worked out. Yeah. But um, let's not write players off after one bad season, especially when they've had good seasons before. So I, yeah, I think this definitely. is a very solid pickup. I agree with you. Chelsea looking for reinforcements down the right flank. Is Lonza's Jonathan Klaus the answer? <laughs> Jules, I... I mean, I want that to happen just to see the, the song that Chelsea fans are going to create. It's going to be festive. Santa Claus. Yeah, very festive, of course. This works. It works. He's a bit he, older, isn't he? What is he, 28, 29? 29, yeah, yeah. He's got one year left on his contract, so he would be cheap. But he's. Well, you need a body to back, to, to back up Reese James. And that is if you're still playing with wingbacks, as we mentioned you know, earlier on the show. So I don't know. I like him. It's a great story coming out of nowhere. Never, you know, really late bloomer, having to play in the lower leagues. Uh, you know, I would love the story. He's working in the workshop before that with the elves. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're working hard. Um, I'm just not sure if he's good enough for Chelsea right now and for, for, for Tuchel. So I'm a bit skeptical about I think it could also probably be a problem. Uh, well, maybe not this year with the World Cup because obviously the, they're going to be on hold in November. But in most normal years, you would imagine November right up until it's going to be busy. All right, all right, oh my all right, God. Right, right, right. I'll stop. I'll yeah. stop. <laughs> the Luka Jovic era at the Bernabeu could be ending soon, Gab. He's reported close to a loan deal with Fiorentina. Yeah, uh, oh, obviously. <laughs> Obviously, Vlaovic moved on. They didn't yeah. get, quite get what they wanted from Cabral. I don't think Cabral was that bad. Yeah, me neither. Um, I think you have Jovic being shopped around everywhere. What yeah. I think is more interesting um, than Luka Jovic, right? He's had two bad seasons, didn't play very much. He can relaunch his career somewhere else. I'm not sure it's going to be a Fiorentina. This, to me, signals that Real Madrid are going to move for a center forward. Right, because yeah. if you move, if you move, I mean, you know, you did it with smoke and mirrors one year, but ben, you know, Mbappe, and obviously they thought Mbappe was coming. He's not coming. Benzema needs somebody other than Mariano Diaz 
who can actually take serious minutes from him because he's going to want to be fresh for the World Cup. Um, I just don't know who it's going to be. Mini? And I'm, I'm fascinated because there's been very little movement, very little rumors. Boja Mayoral? I mix, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, Morata. Yeah, yeah okay, you know, fine. Morata. But I kind of want something a little more exciting than. Yeah, right? I would hope so. Too. Yeah, but we've, we've said this before. Morata would not be a bad signing I, at all. Completely. I agree with you completely. Now, until very recently, I was told Renato Sanchez was on his way to Milan. Yes. Where he could meet up with his old teammate or his current teammate, Sven Botman. Yeah. Uh, right, this is the final Botman mention of the show. Uh, but then Luis Campos pops up at Paris Saint-Germain, and suddenly I'm not so sure. Jules, I, I, they just got Vicinia. What, they, we, we don't have enough Portuguese guys here? Like, uh, well, the, 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 the beginning of the story is that apparently Milan don't want to pay the 30 million euros anymore. Okay, well, of course, not, Milan want to drive a hard bargain. Yeah, because that's the price that Lille have for Renato Sanchez. Um, I think they want more to pay around 20 million, which is what Lille paid from, for Sanchez from Bayern Munich three years ago. And PSG saying, oh, you don't take him for 30? We would take him for 30. I mean, so he would come at the bottom of the long list of midfielders, as we mentioned before, that PSG have. I'm not really sure. It sounds to me that it's maybe some sort of, you know, stories out there to put pressure on Milan and Maldini to say, like, okay, we, we're going right. to... And, and I think the other element in this is that uh, Paolo Maldini, who's obviously the head of football at Milan, and Enrique Massara, who's the sporting director, their contracts expire yes, on June 30th. Right. They have not extended them yet. Supposedly yeah. they met with the, new, with the new owners and they said, no, everything's fine. It will be now six couple of days. I don't see any movement no. on this until those guys put pen to paper. And I think they will put pen to paper, yeah, which is good news but, for Milan. Yeah, but mine is probably similar with the Newcastle links and, and all of that as well. Gamayo Gotsu is back in the Bundesliga. He's reportedly agreed a move to return from PSV Eindhoven for around 4 million euros to Eintracht Frankfurt. Eintracht Frankfurt. That's Dan right. Now. I was first of all the shock news that find out that Mario Götze is thirty years old. For you younguns out there, this is the man who scored the winning goal That's in the right. twenty fourteen World Cup, and it felt to me like he'd been around a long time. Yeah, you know, wish he has. Well, he was once the German Messi, if you remember. Yeah, um, he did well in Holland. He's turned it around. He wants to go home. I think this is great. The one thing is, he did sign like a big multi year contract not that long ago. Mm -hmm. um, Four million euros, I think, is a good deal. It's a good deal for for, for, for Frankfurt. He'll put, you know, he'll, he'll attract attention and so on. Yeah, and playing the Champions League with play, them. It's Champions League football. Why not? That's good. Jules, I know it was only a charity game, but something tells me you took a keen interest oh, yes. in the Ronaldinho v. Roberto Carlos spectacular in Miami. Oh, I was all over it, Gab. I wish I'd been there, to be fair. I, I do. I, it was we should tell our bosses, this is a natural environment for Jules to be at. Exactly. And got Steve, Nash. Steve Nash. Yeah. Steve Nash, Jimmy Butler was there uh, with his pal Paul Pogba saying, Jimmy okay, Butler play. play. I play, but I want the ball every time, and you have to let me score. Wait, it did was, Jimmy Butler play? Yeah, he was there, man. He was there. He actually played in the yeah, game. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. see it. Steve Nash, yeah, played. Jimmy no, I see Nash. Played. We know Steve Nash is yeah, a footballer. Yeah, he's a good baller. Like, he's a baller. But yeah, Jimmy Butler loves his football. Big PhD fan, Jimmy, of course, so close to my heart. But isn't Jimmy Butler like 6'6? Six, six? Yeah, he's really tall. So, you, you know, you can play football being tall. Like, no, you know. I know, but. People who are that tall, unless they're playing center back, look funny on the pitch. Well, it looked a bit funny, to be fair. But <laughs> I mean, I've seen Usain Bolt play football, right? Yeah, this was charity between friends. You know, Ronaldinho <laughs> was there dancing. and I mean, Paulo Dybala was there. And clearly, I think he's enjoyed his summer. Because yeah. at times, I was like, is that Paulo Dybala? Or is that, you know, an older brother that... Was he looking a bit round? 
<laughs> big round indeed it was good there was you know crowd there there was clearly a lot of fun so you know well done for to Ronaldinho and Roberto Carlos to put this all together bless my 3D plates with Paul Pogba the two reunited together so it was really it was really cool and they did it and it was played at the uh, it wasn't played at that horrendous stadium that's like an hour north no, of Miami no, no, it, was, no, no, it was played at the uh, the, the, the Inter-Miami stadium yes exactly so it, it was really cool I think. which has a really stupid name yeah, yeah I was trying of, to think when you were yeah, saying it. Right, but, whatever. Yeah. The Mail on Sunday reports that FIFA is looking at draft regulations that would remove the testosterone requirement for transgender athletes and instead base itself simply on self-identification. Gab? So this is... So the reason, explain to me because even that question for me was too hard to understand. Okay, so right now in most sports, um, when you have transgender athletes, uh, there is a requirement of... Uh, in terms of the amount of testosterone they have. If okay. they've gone, has to be below a certain level if they're going to compete in the women's categories. Um, and they, if they've begun sort of hormone replacement therapy, they need to have done it for a certain amount of time and so on. Uh, these things are constantly getting reviewed and, um, and, and revised. There are big issues in, in, in swimming, in athletics and so on. There's a whole scientific controversy to this which i'm not going to get into because i am not qualified to do so <laughs> the reason i put this question in though is that you know there is a fundamental question it's like you know if i identify as a woman should i be allowed to play in women's sports yeah and part of the assumption being that people who were genetically assigned male at birth um or people sorry not genetically people who were simply assigned male uh at birth and many times you know they've gone through puberty they've got certain physical advantages i this is a big, big, complicated thing yeah. which the IOC is dealing with. It is interesting, I think, that football is now, I think because women's football has grown so much and there's also real money there, this is something that, uh, and it's become more professional, this is something that football is going to have to face yeah, and, and deal with. Sure. Now, we do have, by the way, and people forget this, in the women's game, we don't just have people identify as women we also have um people who identify as non-binary yeah. who play women's football so at some point they're going to have to get their house in order they're going to have to have some sort of legislation i'll tell you what people will be unhappy with it no matter no yeah, matter what they do sure. because this is a really really difficult subject and again in other sports that's been the story of it Reports in Brazil say that the original Ronaldo, who is a part owner of Valladolid, is hatching plans to sign his old teammates, oh, Marcelo and Dani that. Alves. Jules, I love these romantic stories. Me too, and Valladolid are promoted in La Liga, of course, so they would mean they, would mean that they, stay, in, they stay in La Liga, they stay in Spain. I can see this happen, you know. I know I, know, I think Milan <laughs> are maybe in for, for Marcelo, I don't know about Dani Alves, but... What, well, Milan in for Marcelo? What, what, to teach Theo how to defend? Come on. To be like a backup, you know, bring the experience. I don't know. I don't know. I would much rather him stay, help Valladolid to stay up. Imagine that, you know, being part of keeping the club up, teaching the young players, bringing experience to the dressing room. That would be great. I would love them three together. Jose Luis Chilavert is running for president in Paraguay, Gab. He's channeling his inner George Weah. He certainly is. I have That's no great. idea. I know he's running for something called the Youth Party, yeah. which is funny because it's most definitely not youthful not anymore. Young. That's for sure. But it's just my excuse to talk about him because I loved Jose Luis Chilavert as a player. I love the idea of the goalkeeper who's so badass, yeah. such a leader. On top of that, he, he takes free kicks. Amazing. He takes penalties. Shout out also, I can't mention Jose Luis Chilavert without mentioning my main man, Rogerio Seni, the uh, uh, legend who broke Chilavert's goal scoring record. 
goalkeepers who I take direct that. free kicks. I you got to love that. You got to love that. Right, Jules, that brings us to an end. But oh, well. what do you say we come back on Thursday before breaking up for the summer, yeah, huh? Have the last show of the season on Thursday. It's going to be a special one, and I expect yeah. a special jersey from you. Of course. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 